Rookie Designer 124. In this episode, we're going to talk about a few different things. I've got a nice little collection of articles that I found that uh, bring up some good topics that I think we should talk about. Uh, the first of which goes into a couple of different ways of designing websites. So we're going to look at this article, kind of goes into ways that you can make your website design a better one that can last throughout the different transitions, the different, uh, the different phases that, that you might go through. Second one is talking about your dream job and ask the question, is your dream job really your dream job if it doesn't get you your dream pay? So we'll look at some of that. And then another topic that we always seem to come back to, but a good one, is kind of going it alone, going out on your own with the freelance design business. Um, Things you can look forward to. I think somebody put together a nice little list of kind of advice and tips and tricks and that kind of stuff. So we'll take a look at that as well. So that's what we'll be doing today on Rookie Designer. So it's been another hectic month. Um, Hopefully it hasn't been so bad for you guys. But again, I'm in the middle of this big project. It's almost to beta now, so things are looking up. (laughs) We're seeing the light at the end of the tunnel finally. Um, But, you know, lots of stuff to do this month, as well as the uh, personal stuff that's still going on. But uh, I'm managing to squeeze one in in the month of May. So uh, hopefully you guys can pick up on this podcast before the month is out. But we should, uh, I know I always say this, and I probably just shouldn't say anything at all, we should get back on a a better schedule next month. I'm looking forward to that. Things should slow down a little bit. Um, Other than that, just plugging away. I've been doing some uh, app clinics on the new Creative Suite 5. So I've done some on Photoshop. If you want to go over and check those out, if you haven't done so already, Um, there's just kind of showing some features, some of the new features of CS5 and maybe give you some reasons to upgrade if you're looking for reasons. Um, There are some cool things in there, but again, like I always say, we talked about this uh, a while back when we were talking about, you know, what tools do you need? What do you, what should you buy when you're starting? Um, Upgrading isn't always the best option for everyone. You know, it's a lot of money and sometimes the, the money outweighs the new features that are that they're giving you because a lot of these things you know you got to look at them say hey is this something that i'm going to be using on a regular basis because if it's not it's not really worth your money to upgrade just yet you know so those are the kind of things you need to look at and that's why i like to make those podcasts kind of show you what's going on what's new and then you can make that decision of you know is this something that that's going to be useful to me in my workflow or is this just you know some eye candy stuff that I'll probably use a couple of times and then never look at again. So check those out if you have a chance. And I think that's about it for what's been going on with me. Um, Just want to thank you guys for tuning in. Again, thank you for, as always, for dealing with my hectic schedule and kind of the uh, inconsistent schedule of which I release these podcasts. Uh, It really means a lot to me that you guys are sticking around and still wanting to listen to what I have to say. So, uh, I'll keep putting them out as much as I can. Uh, Before we get into the topics today, I just want to let you know that this podcast is being brought to you by GoToMeeting. And with GoToMeeting, you can do more and travel less. And you do this by hosting meetings online. I'm pretty sure that most of you guys have experienced having to travel somewhere, whether it be down the street or to a different city, sitting in some 
insanely boring meeting with other people. And what do they do? They end up showing you stuff that's on their computer. So why not just sit in the comfort of your own chair in your own office and look at that same stuff on their computer? So with GoToMeeting, you start a meeting very quickly. You can invite people. Those people join through their web browser, and now you can see everything on the computer screen. So you can talk to them over the phone or over voice over IP or both, and that way you're talking to them live, you're showing them whatever is on your computer, and you're, you're communicating as though you're actually in the same room even though you're not. You also save a bunch of money because you pay one flat rate and you meet as many times as you need to. So if you want to check this out, just go to gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. And uh, there's a little form. You can fill it out and try the software for free for 30 days. So check that out. All right, so as I said, we have a few different topics here. Uh, I found some of these articles. One of the things that I signed up for, and I probably should have said this before, I've been a, a member for a little while now. If you're on LinkedIn, then um, there's groups that you can join. And one of the groups that I joined was the uh, Graphic Design Professionals. So I think you should be able to just search for that and maybe uh, join that way. But they send out a, a newsletter kind of type of thing. I think it's monthly. It's, it usually comes around the same time that I get my updates when you know it shows all your contacts updates in LinkedIn. And that's about the time that I get this newsletter. And it'll have some links to some interesting stuff sometimes and links to you know stuff you can download or just articles about the, uh, the uh, being a graphic designer in general or a designer. It's really more designer than it is graphic designer because I get stuff for web as well. So don't think that it's just for graphic designers. Again, we get into that thing where, you know, what do you call yourself? I don't know. Graphic designer is kind of one of those um, canned answers, I guess. And it, it kind of is more specific to some things than others. But in this particular use, they I think they mean more like just design professionals in general. Anyways, um, pretty cool stuff on there, though. So I think a couple of these things that I got came off there. And another one... I'm not sure where I found it. I think I found it just on a Twitter. So all kinds of, th of things to, to find on Twitter as well for design. Uh, if I'm sure if you're on Twitter, you probably are following a couple already. I follow Smashing Magazine. That's a really good one. They give you a lot of information every single day. They probably do about, I don't know, 20 to 30 different posts or tweets and all kinds of cool articles. And this is one that I found on there, I believe. And the title of it is called Dinosaur Design versus Cockroach Design. So they're kind of taking this, this uh, look at design through kind of a different metaphor. First of all, they're talking about dinosaurs. And dinosaurs, you know, they're very cool. They, uh, they have all these great features that you want. They said, oh, yeah, if you, could, if you could actually build your own dinosaur, you would have all these really cool features. You know, you could take wings of a pterodactyl. You could take the horn of a triceratops. And you could have the, the roar of the Tyrannosaurus rex. Um, but ultimately, you know, even though these dinosaurs were very cool and had all these cool features to them, eventually they died off. And he says, you know, it takes the, the other side of the, the spectrum there is the cockroach. I keep saying he, and I don't even know who wrote this, so. And I don't even see it signed by anyone. So anyways, the writer uh, takes, takes kind of the other end of the spectrum, which is the cockroach. Not a very uh, pleasing, cool thing, but 
seems to be timeless, you know, outlasts all these different things and is still around. So the the main gist of this article is that you should be you should be designing more like a cockroach than like a dinosaur. And I think it's it's a very good point especially in this day and age there's so much cool stuff that you can do on a website these days. Uh it's hard not to get sucked into that and I think I talked about this way way back in the beginnings of rookie designer as well. Um kind of knowing when to limit yourself. It kind of goes into that same thing. So when I was going through school and I was first learning Photoshop, uh, you learn all these cool things like filters and different ways to manipulate the photographs, um, just different effects that you can use. And when you're new to it, I think the impulse is to want to use a ton of that stuff. And then as you kind of go through your design life and you start learning a little bit more and you you start uh, being able to appreciate good design, you realize that the less of these things that you use can sometimes be the better. You know, lesser is is more, less is more. Um, Or at least, at, at the very least, sometimes you do end up using a lot of different filters, a lot of different effects, but the end result doesn't look like you used a lot of different effects and filters. It looks like you used hardly any. And that also, you know, it, it kind of gives you that same feel of less is more. And uh, I, I think that some people get tied up in that with web design as well. I mean, there's so many cool things that you can do today uh, with Flash. I mean, Flash is a big thing. And a lot of people are offenders with Flash, in in which case they actually make too much of their website flash. And then if somebody doesn't have flash, then they essentially don't have a website. Uh, that can be a big problem. Um, there's also great tools coming out. Um, they're actually out already, but, uh, they will, they won't be in full rotation until the browsers actually catch up. But CSS three, you can do a lot of crazy stuff with that, uh, to the point at which you won't need flash. Um, HTML5 also. Uh, So you can embed video. um, You can make animations come to life as, you know, making something look as if it is in Flash when it's actually not. So these things are are things that are either out or coming and very attractive and can make your website look very cool. I mean, this even goes down to the fact of making like super cool graphics for your website. You know, is this something that's, that's going to uh, last a long time, or you're going to have to change it after just a couple of months. And that's, that's kind of the gist of this article. And I think it brings up some good points. It it puts, it points out a couple of sites too, that, you know, it says Craigslist is a cockroach and ESPN is a dinosaur design. ESPN, uh, very busy, has lots of different things going on, uses very new technology. They use uh, flash video on there, um, all kinds of different effects, uh, they have polling on there, um, all, all kinds of different things. All the the latest bells and whistles is what they want on there. And if you ever watch a broadcast broadcast of ESPN, just like a sports center or something, you'll notice that that's how they are. You know, it's very fitting that they have the latest technologies because just watching one of their sports centers, uh, all the graphics and the sound effects and all this stuff the transitions, uh, the different ways they show their video on, on SportsCenter, uh, it's very much like that. It's very, 
cutting edge, you might say, um, using the newest technologies and things like that. So I think it goes with that, and I think it makes sense for them. And because they have probably you know hundreds of designers working on their stuff, probably makes some sense for them to have a website like that where everything's brand new. And you know if they do need to change, if trends do change, which they will, and they need to redesign the whole thing, which they just did not too long ago, then that's not uh, a massive undertaking for them. I mean, it still is. But, you know, it's something that they can handle because they have a, a very large workforce of people working on it. Craigslist is the the uh, the other end of the spectrum, again. It is the cockroach design. It's very minimalist. There's not much going on. It's not flashy, but it serves the purpose. I mean, do you really care when you go to Craigslist that there's not, you know, flash video on there or some kind of animations or cool graphics? Probably not because it serves a purpose. You go there to, you know, buy something, sell something, uh, look for a job maybe, and it's it's all you need. Uh, a very, very similar, um, a very similar comparison there. And this kind of goes into the next point of this article is uh, it's called Turn Like a Train. So trains can't really turn all that well. So your design should hopefully be something that can adapt and that can you know make a quick turn if it needs to. So their their uh, comparison here is Yahoo versus Google. And I'll read this because I thought it was kind of funny. Um, it says maybe dinosaurs were too big and complex to change fast enough to avoid extinction. Do you know any websites like that? How fast can Yahoo adapt to the changes of the web? Not very fast at all, in my opinion. All it can do is add a new box to the homepage and hope people find it. So kind of poking a little fun at Yahoo, which I think is funny because I cannot stand the Yahoo homepage. There is so much stuff on there, I have no idea what to look at. So that's what they're kind of talking about. But there is so much going on there. If they wanted to add something else, how do they do it? You know, they could put a link somewhere, but are you going to find it with all that stuff on there? And, uh, you know, it, it, it makes for them having to, again, maybe rethink the whole design of the page to add something in to, you know, put it somewhere where it's going to be noticeable. And uh, in contrast, it says Google just adds a new link when it sees fit, because what do they have on their homepage? A search box, a logo, and a few links at the top. Now, you know, maybe this is annoying to some people as well, that there's nothing on this homepage and I have to click another link uh, to actually get to some content. And, you know, some of those links that are on there, I click a link and then it just takes me to a page with a bunch of other links. So some people might find that unappealing. I find it to be a little easier to use because at least I can find what I'm looking for. But the the main point here is if you want to add something new to the homepage and your homepage is already just chock full of stuff, it's going to be a lot harder to integrate that new piece into your page. Whereas if you had the Google kind of page where it's very minimalist, it has not very much, it's going to be very easy to put something new on there and have people notice it because there's not too much on there that's distracting them. Um, they also give the, uh, the metaphor of playing, I think football or soccer, he said, um, he kind of talking about playing against a bigger, a bigger player. Somebody's just chugging right at you like a train, like a freight train. They're huge, and you're kind of this scrawny little guy. You got the ball. You can make very quick moves to get out of the way of that big train that's charging you, and the train's not going to be able to change direction because it's going too fast, and it's too big, and it just it can't do that. So 
again, just kind of talking about your design. These, these are all things to everything. Everything should go in moderation too. I mean, it's not to say that you need to make your website like Craigslist and have absolutely nothing on it that will appeal to, to the users. Um, it's, it's really about, and it goes back to what we always talk about. The first thing you think about when you're building a website is function. What is this thing supposed to do? And how do you get to a solution that's going to let your website do what it needs to do and also appeal to the audience so that, that they want to stay on it, first of all, because we should all know that web pages are very easy to navigate away from. If there's something else that somebody wants to see and they don't like what they're seeing on yours in the first few seconds that are on that page, then it's very easy for them to leave and never come back. So you do want to have that appeal factor. You do want you want it to be functional. You need it to do what the user wants to do on your website. That's first and foremost. But also you want you know something that's appealing to that user so that they want to stay on your page. Uh, and and sometimes just the function is not going to do that, is not going to keep them on there because there are so many websites out there these days. There might be five other websites that also serve that same function that do it just as well as you do. So now what, what's, what's making your website the one that they want to go to, the, the one that they want to stay on? So um, like I said, you don't have to necessarily strip down everything and take everything out but it is probably to your advantage. And I, I think anyone who's made a website, especially a website for them, for themselves, uh, whether it be a, like a portfolio one or, you know, one that's for uh, a freelance business of your own, something like that, you probably have gone through that period of, you know, you start doing work for other people and your website gets a little bit outdated and you're saying to yourself, oh man, I really need to update this website but you just keep getting jobs for other people. And of course, those jobs are the more important ones because those are the ones that are paying you. Working on your own website, while it will have some, some nice effects on your business potentially, uh, you're not directly getting paid for that. So it kind of gets shoved in the back and shoved in the back and down to the bottom of the priority list. So in this case, it would be nice, I'm sure we could all agree, to have a website that can adapt a little bit easier and, uh, you know, maybe you can just go make a few changes and now you're updated to, you know, the latest trends or whatever it is you want to update to without having to redesign the whole entire thing. Uh, the first website that I made was terrible, terrible. And uh, a lot of this had to do with the fact that I didn't really know how to build websites yet. I knew how to build websites with tons of pictures the way people used to and back in the dark ages. You know, even the navigation buttons were all images that had, you know, rollovers triggered by JavaScript, and it basically just served up a different image instead. The whole background, everything, the framing was all images. It was terrible. And when it came time for me to redesign that, it was a huge job. And uh, I still haven't done it. <laughs> so that'll kind of show you what what you can kind of slip into there. Um and there's a lot of great tools these days that make it easier for you. You know, you could set up a blog as your website. You could set up uh, a content content management system as your website. And it helps you adapt a little bit easier, you know. Changing the face, the look of your website is always going to kind of be that, that big design job. 
but the actual tools and what you have available to you, I think is a lot easier these days with the, with the free tools that are out there. So definitely things, things to look into, but I think this, this article makes a very good point. I mean, you don't want to go too far in one direction to where you just have all this crazy stuff, you know, and, and maybe it's a little bit different. Maybe if we're talking about a portfolio site, maybe you do want to go that extra mile and, and you will have to update it, you know, time and again, but you know, that's when you're really trying to impress somebody. So maybe that's, maybe that's a case for not listening to this article, but in general, I think it, it makes a very good point that if you're going to use all this latest technology, latest trends kind of stuff, then you should really expect to have to redesign stuff every few months to every six months because things change that fast. You know, people come out with new ideas and everybody copies that idea. And, uh, it's, it's just something that's ever evolving and you're going to get yourself into a, a vicious cycle if you want to stay on the cutting edge and use everything that's out there. So the next thing that I found is actually doesn't look like much of a, it's not really much of an article. It's really more of an advertisement for, uh, there's like a, a job search webinar. Go to this link and see what it says. You can sign up for a webinar. It's free access. Let's see. It says for a limited limited time you can join absolutely free, and it's a hundred and forty nine dollar value. Um, I don't know about these things, and I'm not really condoning going to this, but you know, they had some some good points in this little, I guess, kind of a, a article slash advertisement thing that I found. Uh, it's actually for this thing called Get Hired Bootcamp. So it's a, a webinar that you're, they're letting you attend for free. Um, Let's see what the, some of the things that it says here. Marketing your potential using targeted job search to maximize your efforts. Networking skills for the hidden job market. Uh, overcoming phone phobia. Role of social media and job search. Interview secrets, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, pretty basic stuff and, and stuff that everybody's going to use. But I like this little... Uh, again, article slash advertisement thing that they had, because it says, is your dream job really a dream job if it doesn't get you your dream pay? Uh, One of my friends just recently went on an interview and it's for a job that seems very, very enticing. Um, We're we're both beer fans and she went and interviewed for a job with uh, Stone. And, you know, it seems on the outside, and I've totally had job opportunities like this before, on the outside, it seems like, man, this would be the greatest job ever. You know, it's something that I'm really interested in, something that I'm going to like doing. And then you show up to the interview, everything seems to be going fine. And then they kind of outline, you know, how much you're going to make or what kind of benefits you're going to get. And things start to go south from there. So this kind of talks about that. And, and my friend had a similar experience, went to interview, thought it was going to be the greatest thing since sliced bread. And come to find out the job only offers um, like two weeks of vacation, which, you know, for some people, that's not a big deal because maybe you only have two weeks of vacation. Um, maybe that's what you're used to. Maybe that's more than you're used to. Um, but a lot of more corporate jobs, when you work for larger companies, um, sometimes you can get to that, you know, higher plateau a lot quicker. Sometimes they, they will negotiate things like vacation and give that to you sooner. Um, so if you, if you're already at three or four weeks of vacation, you obviously don't want to go to a job that gives you only two weeks because now you're, you're burning two weeks of vacation there. And, uh, 
you know, if you're someone that likes to get out and do stuff and you don't want to, you know, be working all the time, that can be a real downer, a real bummer. Uh, the other thing, of course, is salary. Sometimes you'll, you're in a position, and I've felt like this before as well. Again, working for a larger company or working for a corporation, sometimes it's a little easier to make more money because that company has more money. Whereas if you go to a smaller, uh, a smaller place, then sometimes there are going to be restrictions on that. They're not going to be able to spend as much money on their employees, and thus they may offer you something that's below what you're actually making. Uh, this is why, you know, sometimes it's a little nerve wracking. I think when jobs ask for a salary history or they ask you what salary you want to make, uh, sometimes it makes a little nerve wracking because you don't know what to say. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to say too much because then they're not going to want to hire me. You don't want to ever say too little because you can't go up from, from where, from where you, uh, first initially say you want to be. You can't say, oh, wait a minute, um, I didn't know you would pay that much. I want to make more. So you got to be real careful with that stuff. But it is nice also because it's kind of like an extra screening process. So if this company only has X amount of dollars to offer for this job and you say your X amount, your X amount of dollars is higher than that, then obviously they can be like, well, this person's too expensive for us. They have a lot of experience and they, they definitely deserve this much money, but there's no way in hell we can pay that much money. So I kind of like it for that effect. But if you get yourself into an interview, and this is kind of the gist of this little thing, um, they say, here's a few tips on, on negotiating process because you got to look at it this way. Okay, it's your dream job, right? For every aspect except for... Uh, you know, either the benefits or the pay are not what you want. So is it really still your dream job? Not really, because you're not getting everything that you need out of it, everything that you want. Uh, the work might be something that you really, really want to do, but if you're not getting paid the amount that you need to pay your bills and be able to be happier with your life, then that's not your dream job. So look at it this way. Okay, now all of a sudden it's not my dream job anymore. Uh, hopefully I have something to fall back on. You can go into this thing and basically ask for what you want, because if they don't give it to you, it's not the end of the world because it wasn't your dream job anyways without that pay that you want or without those benefits that you want. So you want, you want to be able to go in there and negotiate this a little bit. And even if people say that they're firm, a lot of times they're not. They're just saying that because they don't want to budge on what they offered. So the, the few tips that they give here for the negotiation process, the first one is be realistic. Know the sal salary range for the job and for someone with your qualifications. And these are things that you can find online uh, just by, simply by Googling. Uh, you got to take into account uh, the job title a lot of times matters, uh, the job description if you have that, uh, the region that you're in. So... You know, even if you're in the U.S., what state are you in? What city are you in even matters because people get paid differently, you know, in L.A. than they do in, you know, maybe somewhere in the South. Uh, it's just different economies for, for the different areas. So that's going to come into play as well. Also, your qualifications. Are you qualified to do everything that's, that's asked of you in that particular job description? What kinds of software are they wanting you to know? Uh, what kind of, kind of skills are they wanting you to have? And, and not the nice-to-haves, but the ones that you must have to be qualified for the job. Um, all these things are going to play in 
and there should there should be able you should be able to get some kind of information on a salary range at least and then you can say okay here's the range uh, I think I'm qualified enough to be at the top of that range or the middle of the range and then you can start to throw out numbers from there um, the second one they say is know what you want and I think this is the most important you have to be firm with what you want if you are going to negotiate for it um, I want X amount of dollars I want three weeks of vacation not two weeks and they'll let you know if that's a possibility or not right off the bat. You know, if it's something they're not going to negotiate, then they will tell you that. And then, then, then it's the, the ball is back in your court. You have to decide, well, is this something I can deal with? So then maybe you say, well, if I'm only going to get two weeks of vacation a year, then I want, you know, extra pay. I want to be making this much so that I can take a really extravagant vacation when I go for my two weeks. The next one is be specific with your numbers you throw out, but be flexible during the negotiation. So nobody wants to hear, uh, I'd like to make about this much or maybe this much. You know, that's, that's not good. That doesn't look good. Make sure you know, okay, I want this amount per year, but, you know, if, if we can't get up to that number, and, and you probably don't even say this. You probably don't even say, I'm willing to go down to this number. Don't give them a range. Just give them a number and say, this is what I want. It's, it's not written in stone, but this is what I'd like to be making. And then you can kind of go from there. Uh, differentiate what you want and what would be nice to have. Another good one. Uh, because you don't want to be making all these demands of stuff that, you know, maybe they might not be able to promise you. Uh, maybe it seems like you want the world for this job and, and maybe they'll just pass you up because you're asking for too much. So make sure that you, you let them know, hey, the money is something that I'm really going to try and stand firm on. The vacation, hey, not so, much, not so important for me to, to take this job. And that's pretty much what they have here. Like I said, it's more of an advertisement. So I will put the link up for this little thing. And if you do want to... Uh, sign up for that free webinar. It, it's something that definitely couldn't hurt. I mean, it's it's advice on getting a job, and I think everybody can use that at some point or another. So uh, I thought they had some nice little things to talk about there. But I think the main point is realizing that that the point of this article is your dream job may be your dream job in terms of the work you'll be doing, who you'll be, you'll be working for, what you'll be doing like that. Uh, but if they're not paying what, what you want to be making or what you need to be making, or if the benefits aren't where you want them to be, then it's no longer your, your full dream job. And that's a, a very good reason to just go in and try and negotiate because what do you have to lose at that point? You know, you can ask for things and, uh, you know, if they say no, then it's still ultimately your decision. If they offer you the job, if you want to make the concessions and, and, take the job anyway, or kind of move on and, and look for something that will be even more closer to your dream of what you want to be doing. All right, for the last little segment, um, I'm going to move on to another article, which I actually found through LinkedIn. But this one is on the Creative Bits website, which I've read from articles on this website before. Very good website for uh, design professionals, freelancers, that kind of thing. This one is good. Uh, it's called Self-Employment Advice for Designers. And I thought this was a, a nice little list that they put together. Uh, it says, read 15 pieces of advice if you're thinking of going it alone um, from David Airy, author of Logo Design Love. 
So I thought this was pretty cool. We talk about this all the time, and I, I think it's warranted that we talk about this all the time because uh, it's something that I think every designer has thought about at one point or another. You know, it would be so cool if I could uh, go out on my own, do some freelance work by myself, work for myself, work at home, you know, keep my own hours, go on vacation whenever the hell I want to. It's it's a very uh, it's very easy to fall in love with this idea of having so much freedom uh, as related to your job. So um, I'm going to try and go through these pretty quickly here. The first one says, look at the big picture. Creating a modern business plan will help you think through the hard issues. So there is a link here actually to a little bit, a little blurb on modern business plan. Um, a business plan may be something you, you haven't thought about yet, but it's actually a very good idea if you're going to start a business <laughs> to figure out what it is you're going to do. And it helps you kind of map out um, if you've never written or read a business plan before, it helps you map out exactly what your business is going to do, what it's going to accomplish. You know, the whole reason for starting your business, what is that? Uh, where do you think, where, where's the money going to come from? Uh, what are you going to accomplish? Uh, what kind of challenges are out there for your business? That kind of thing. So that's an entirely different uh, episode of Rookie Designer that maybe we'll touch on at some point, but I'm not going to get into it here. But there is a link on there, and I will put this link in the show notes for you uh, for this article so you can click through and, and read what they had to, to write about that. Uh, number two is tell your friends and family about your self-employment. You never know what contacts they might have. Those close to, to you will want to help. And we've definitely talked about this before. Some of your first jobs uh, may be pro bono, maybe it's working for relatives of your own, or maybe they just know somebody, you know, maybe they have some contacts that you never knew about that need some design work and, and that can definitely work in your advantage. Number three, you will lose potential clients because your pricing is too high, but also because it's too low. Whether you like it or not, the rates you set will immediately give others a perception about the quality of your design work. This will happen no matter what. Uh, pricing is always a big issue, which is kind of goes right into the next one. But people always, it's probably the biggest thing that people stress about when they go into freelancing, when they go out on their own, is how much do I charge? And uh, number four here is don't stress about pricing. Design pricing is something independent graphic designers struggle with at some point. The best way to learn is through experience. And remember, you can always negoti negotiate your price down from your initial quote, but never up. So if in doubt, aim high. Now, you're going you're gonna to cause yourself some problems here. Like he stated in number three, if your pricing is too high, some people are going to be turned off. You know, And that's going to happen no matter what. You could be one of the greatest designers in the history of the world, and somebody is not going to like your price. It's just, you know, some people are stingy. Some people think your work's not good enough. There's a million different reasons why they might think your, your price is too high. But... Like he said, you can't negotiate up from a price that's too low. So you want to aim a little bit high. Maybe you start off and you're, you're kind of low-balling yourself, which is, I think, many times the case with people. But you know, as you get that experience, as you figure out how long it takes you to do something, uh, how much work actually goes into it, then you're going to start to get a little bit better at quoting prices for, for the work that you're doing. So don't, don't completely stress about it in the beginning because you will get better at setting those prices. Number five, you will make mistakes. We all do learn from them and move on. 
Uh, so don't worry about it. I mean, customer relations, as I've talked about in the past, is probably one of the biggest things to worry about. And there's always a way out of something. You know, you're going to make mistakes. Hopefully it's not, you know, some kind of mistake that, that ends up on something that's printed thousands and thousands of times. So, you know, that obviously magnifies the problem. So always, always try and avoid those types of mistakes. But, you know, you're going to make some mistakes along the way. And people know that, you know, people are all human. So try not to get too hung up on it. You know, always learn from your mistakes. If you do something wrong on a project, make sure you rectify it going forward. But also uh, my little bit to throw in there is you're working for somebody. You want them to continue to come to you for work. So always try and patch up the situation. You know, if there's anything you can do, maybe you maybe you give them a little discount. Maybe you give them a discount going forward if they come back to you. Um, customer relations definitely play into that. And uh and I think it's a big part, you know, because when you make mistakes and you just maybe pretend like you didn't make a mistake or ignore the whole thing, um, people are going to be turned off by that and they're not going to want to work with you anymore. Um, hey, look at that. And it goes into right into number six, when wrong, admit it quickly and emphatically. Along similar lines, if you receive a complaint, allow the other person to do most of the talking. People want to be acknowledged. And the more you learn about a grievance, the more you can do to ensure that it doesn't happen again. So like I just said, the people are important because you want them to keep coming back. So make sure that you acknowledge the fact that you messed up and try and rectify the situation. Compose your pitch. Your pitch is very brief description about how you will help how you will help your design clients, and it's useful when describing your job to new acquaintances uh, without the risk of boring them into submission. The length should be somewhere between an elevator pitch and a dumbwaiter pitch. <laughs> so a little play on words there, but you know, don't string it out too much. But you should know, I mean, you should be able to uh, articulate what your design skills, what your services are going to be able to do for this person, for this client, or for this potential client of yours. And uh, that's always going to be the case. So make sure that you're well-spoken. Make sure that you know exactly what you're doing and what you can do for them and make sure that you can get that point across to them. Never stop learning. Realize that in order to reach and stay at the top, you must never stop learning. Whether it's through recognized design courses, mentors, books, or other options, you'll find another of number of recommended reads uh, here in my... Okay, there's a link here to his Amazon, Amazon Power Design bookstore. So you can definitely check that out too if you come check out this uh, article. But definitely, I've, I've said this as well, and you can never stop learning. They come out with software like every damn year this, these days. So it's definitely something that you need to keep up on. But not only just you know, skills for the software, but also it's good to keep reading articles. It's good to keep reading books that people write about design principles, about design in general, about ways to go about your business. I mean, these things are all going to help you stay at the top of your game. And you definitely need to do that because guess what? The competition is doing that. So if you don't do it, then you're going to fall behind and they're going to get all the work. Number nine, publish a blog. The readers you attract will prove to be an invaluable source of knowledge and help. Uh, he's talking about his blogs here, blah, 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 blah. Um, it says you can use WordPress and alternative to WordPress is movable type. Um, there's lots of different things out there that you can use. And again, like I said, uh, there's some great uh, content management tools out there as well, which generally come with some kind of blogging 
extension or, or plug-in that you can use. So you could also use that. But I think this is a great idea as well. It's good to get out and it's good to talk about what you're doing, and, which is the whole reason I started this podcast in the first place. And I think it's done some, some nice things for me. I've made some good contacts through it. But most importantly, I've been able to talk about design and it makes me research a little bit. It makes me look into things that I probably wouldn't make the time to do otherwise. And it helps keep me at the top of my game as well. So I think that's a really great idea. Number 10 is consider a partnership. You and your clients can benefit when you work alongside those with different skills. A web specialist or brand strategist, for instance. Just because you're going it alone doesn't mean you need to be the only one, only person involved. When approaching a potential partner be it for your entire business or for one or for a one-off project, talk in terms of the other person's interests. Um, says, would you say yes? Uh, I've talked about this before as well. It's a great idea, especially, you know, like he's pointing out, if somebody, if you're all print and you know people that have print work, but they need a website too, you know, pairing up with somebody that does websites is a really, really good idea. And then at some point, maybe that web designer will get a client that not only has web design stuff, but also print stuff. So you guys can kind of work off of each other that way. It could become a very, a very good situation. Number 11, encourage clients to talk about themselves. A key element in all design projects lies in the information gathering stage. Everything you can learn can be used for the advantage of the project. And again, numerous times we talk about this. Uh, I think there's a great list because it covers a lot of stuff that we've talked about before, uh, but it's very concise and includes everything. Um, but that research phase of the project, very, very important because you know you really have to listen to the client's needs and wants because sometimes that's even going to supersede what the project is really supposed to do. And uh, you know you want to you want to shoot for that functionality, but at the same time, if they're not getting what they want out of the project, it's it's going to be considered at least somewhat a failure anyways. So you really need to learn to listen to the client what they want or what they think they want. And then maybe you can have a discussion after that and try and sway them in the direction you think they should go. But at least you got to listen to what, what they think they want and uh, and really try and incorporate that into the project as much as possible. 12. A man without a smiling face must not open a shop. <laughs> a wise Chinese man once said that. Okay. So just putting on a good face, I guess this is talking about, you know, you want to be friendly and, and energetic and be able to talk with, with clients and have a nice, pleasant attitude. Um, it's it's something that's that doesn't come naturally for all of us. And I would definitely include myself in that. I'm not a real people person. I'm more of that designer that would work for a shop and be in the back and nobody's allowed to talk to the designer. They have to talk to the salesperson or something like that. So uh, it, it's it's not easy, but when you go out on your own, you are everybody. And I've said that before. You're, you're not only the designer, you are the salesman, you are the customer service person. So you got to be able to talk to people and, uh, and do it in a, a, in a pleasant way, in a pleasant manner. Number 13, you will work with clients you don't like. <laughs> We've definitely talked about this one before. Especially towards the start of your self-employment, with experience, you can learn how to spot troublesome clients before a project starts and equally how to spot the excellent ones. But yes, definitely when you first start working, especially because you're not going to be able to get these great clients right off the bat uh, until you get some experience under your belt. But also, like like he says, being able to point that out, being able to 
notice the traits of these people that are just going to be completely annoying or just bad people to work for uh, until you can figure out how to figure that out for your own before you start working with them. You're going to work with some and they're going to suck and you're going to get through the project and then you don't have to work for them anymore. So it's okay. Uh, unless they're really annoying like some of the people that I've worked for and they love your work and they just keep wanting to come back for more and more and it's hard to turn down money. But, you know, you, you got to weigh that against the, the, the facts of uh, them being annoying to work with as well. Number 14, designing for committees isn't a bad thing. You can still achieve fantastic design results providing you know how to keep the process running smoothly. Chapter 8 of my book, which is another link here, uh, offers advice on dealing with committees. And I will tell you that I have absolutely no knowledge of what that means. So perhaps you should uh, come check out this article and click on the link and read part of his book. 15. Put the wheels in motion. It's time. People will tell you it's not, but it is. The only thing stopping you is you. So, uh, nice little list. I thought that was worth reading for sure. He has some very good points. A lot of things that we've pointed out already. Um, but it just goes to show, I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot of things standing in your way of doing this and doing it the correct way, but they're all they're all hurdles that you can get over at some point. You know, it's not going to all happen for you right in the beginning. You're not just going to open this business and all of a sudden you're going to have people knocking down your door for business and you're going to do those projects and they're going to go smoothly. Uh, This is, this is a pipe dream. If you think this way, everybody goes through these kind of stepping stones of learning the process, learning the business, learning how to deal with your clients, learning how to get your, your projects done efficiently and get paid on time this is like half the reason for this podcast is kind of going through these things and talking about, yeah, how do you avoid this? You know, so that hopefully you won't have to go through this, but don't get discouraged if you do anyways, even if you heard it from somebody else, even if you heard it from me and you still fall into that same trap and you, you hit that mistake, it's all right because everybody does that. It's going to happen anyways. So you just got to, you have to be willing to put yourself out there. And like I said, the biggest step that I see is doing this, you know, going out on your own and not having some kind of backup plan. Uh, I've never done it. I've always done freelance stuff on the side. I've always had my, my comfy job that's always there for me, always paying my bills for me. You know, that's the big step. Do you actually take that full step and go in and, uh, you know, decide that you're going to be paying your bills with your own company. That's, that's a hard step to take. Um, but many have done it and many have done it successfully. Um, you just, you got to be able to ride out all these hard times, uh, learn from your mistakes, as we said, and, and really build up that client base and, and be able to consistently do good work, put out good work, something you're proud of. So anyways, um, hopefully these are, are good tips, good good things to bring up that you can think about if you are actually thinking about going out on your own and doing some freelance freelance work and he has baker standing in his way two balls and no strikes to baker and a ground ball to third all right so our resource for today i've been talking about uh, actually most of the things i've been talking about today i found through the graphic design professionals group on linkedin so I'm actually going to make that the resource. I'll put a link to that in the show notes, as always. You can find those at rookiedesigner.com. 
Um, but again, it's just a little group. They send out a little newsletter thingy. Um, they send you links and stuff, and people actually like it when you comment back about the, the articles. They like to get in discussions. You can meet people through here. There's plenty of graphic design professionals on LinkedIn, that's for sure. They're not all a part of this group, but you can meet some people that are, potentially, and uh, maybe make some new relationships that way. So just check it out. I think it's a pretty cool thing. So I think we look at some uh, very interesting topics today uh, in regards to design um, making sure that we keep things you know, simple enough that we can adapt to change, which change is always going to happen. Uh, also, going to look for a new job. You know, Is it your dream job if you're actually not getting the pay that you want? And, and what to do in that situation? There's always room for negotiation uh, as, long as, you know, as long as you're up for it. They're going to be up for it. And I don't, think it's, I don't think it's really disrespectful to ask for more money than they're willing to offer. Uh, if it's if it's a job that you think you want. And then finally, uh, talking about freelance and something that we always talk about, going out on your own. It's not an easy thing, and there's definitely some things to look for if you're going to be taking that journey. And I think that list that we looked at was a very good representation of that. So as always, like I said, these links to all these things I've been reading to you uh, will be on the show notes at rookiedesigner.com. Uh, if you have any questions or comments for me, any topic suggestions, I'm always absolutely happy to take those. You can contact me via email at rdpodcast at gmail.com. That's rd as in rookie designer, rdpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we also have a Facebook page that you can go to for rookie designer. And definitely check out App Clinic if you uh, are using the software that we cover there, mostly the creative suite. But check that out. Uh, some Some nice little videos for you to learn some new tips and tricks on that stuff as well. Again, I want to thank everybody for joining me for subscribing or just checking out the podcast every once in a while, if that's what you do. Uh, it really means a lot to me that you guys are sticking with me. And again, dealing with my very inconsistent schedule of releases. Um, but hopefully this information is doing some good for you. And uh, just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. Drive left center field. He might have had it. There it goes. It's out of here.